Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 443. Chapter 65, A Beautiful Game. The next day, my meager belongings were moved to rooms the mayor deemed more suitable for someone firmly in his favor. There were five of them in all, three with windows overlooking the garden. It was a nice gesture, but I couldn't help but think that these rooms were even farther from the kitchens. My food would be cold as a stone by the time it made its way to me. I'd barely been there an hour before a runner arrived bearing Braden's silver ring and a card that read, Your glorious new rooms, when? I turned the card over, wrote, As soon as you like, and sent the boy on his way. I placed his silver ring on a tray in my sitting room. The bowl next to it now had two silver rings glittering among the iron. I opened the door to see Braden's dark eyes peering owlishly out at me from the halo of his white beard and hair. He smiled and bowed, his walking stick tucked under one arm. I offered him a seat, then excused myself politely and left him alone in the sitting room for a moment, as was the gracious thing to do. I was barely through the doorway before I heard his rich laugh coming from the other room. Ho ho, he said, now there's a thing. When I returned, Braden was sitting by the tack board, holding the two rings I had recently received from Stapes. This is certainly a turn for the books, he said. Apparently I misjudged things yesterday when my runner was turned away from your door by an altogether surly guard. I grinned at him. It's been an exciting couple of days, I said. Braden tucked his chin and chuckled, looking even more owlish than usual. I dare say, he said, holding up the silver ring, this tells quite a story. And that's the page. I'm Bah, I'm Nick. I'm Jeremy. (laughs) So what do we think Brayden thought his new rooms were going to be then? So he's he's saying his guy was turned away from the guards. (laughs) He knows Kvothe has fancy new rooms, but he still thought it was going to be negative? Yeah, well, there were guards hanging out outside his room when he sent his runner... And the, the the surly guards turned the runner away, which suggests that Kvothe is, you know, under guard and not to see anybody. And now suddenly he's in incredible new rooms uh, and he has a silver ring from Stapes. Speaking of the rooms, though, I don't want to derail you too much, Jordana, but I can't help but wonder if these rooms are both a grand gesture to say, yes, you deserve far more opulent rooms, but also uh, you escaped from those last rooms that I gave you. So here are some new ones that you may find a little more difficult to escape from. I can see it being both of those things. I also think it's a convenience thing. I think the mayor needs Quoth close by, and this is a good excuse to put him even closer to the mayor so that he has him at his convenience. Yeah, but it's also a status thing, right? If you have rooms closer to the mayor's rooms, which I think we can assume that these are, then that is an indication to everybody in, uh, you know, in high society, how well the mayor esteems you. These rooms are bigger and they're closer to the center of power. 
And also, I don't think they're any harder to escape from because they have three windows overlooking the garden, so you can just jump down into a hedge. I mean, the garden might have high walls. And guards. That's why they call it a garden, Jeremy. His last last room also had a window into the gardens, and that's how he escaped, so... Well, whatever. That's right. Maybe it's less close to whatever he used to escape. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, it's a new chapter, so they've changed the the enemy density. So now the mobs uh, have a uh, uh, they aggro more easily. They have a wider cone of vision, mm. and you get two stars right away instead of one star. Mm. Stay tuned for the new King Killer Chronicles game coming out this March. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> King Killer Chronicles game would be really interesting because it would be like it should be a roguelike. Like you, well, you're like studying for classes. You know, you like spend your time like trying to get your exams while also making money. It would be like a uh, like an inventory manager. It'd be like an economy game where you have to make money while you're also spending money. Yeah, like well, like I can see it like having a similar mechanic to like Civ Five or like one of those, but instead of like managing countries, you're just trying to manage your own shit. <laughs> yeah, you're just like managing your finances while also learning magic and occasionally like having a duel or something. I feel like they would really want to decide what kind of game, like what genre of game they want to make and then figure out what part of the King Killer premise best fits that genre. You know, I don't know if you would like, I think if you tried to fit in all of Quote's activities into one game, it might become somewhat unfocused because you'd also want like a rhythm game component of it. So you can like play music at the Aeolian, right? You'd want like a guitar hero kind of vibe. What we need is not one game. What we need is a collection of games made to work aesthetically with one another that you can play at different times. Yeah, like maybe what would actually work best is like you'd ha- you'd have some kind of like overarching overworld narrative and universe, but I think you would probably want like a like a Pokemon Snap, no, not a Pokemon, a Pokemon Stadium style game where there's a bunch of mini games. <laughs> Jeremy, I have something to say. I gotta say it. I gotta say it. Okay, picture this. Okay, so what if? You have, like, the main, like, room of the game is, is is the waystone. And then you you can, like, walk around the room in the waystone. But by selecting, like, different things, it, like, ports you in to different parts of the story. And each different part of the story is a different game. Because you're, like, Quoth is, like, reminiscing about different times in his life. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Or, like, maybe, like, maybe you click on... Like his, maybe there's like, like a, like a string or something and you click on the string and it becomes the string of a lute and then you're like at the Aeolian suddenly and he's playing the lute or, and then you have to like do the rhythm game. There's like some story element in the main thing. And so you have like a cut scene where like the scary dude comes in and he has a weapon and then you click on the weapon and then the weapon brings you to like some other part of the story. And that's like more of like a fighty game kind of, kind of thing. Anyway. I have so many ideas all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, I'm pleased to hear that you've been listening to me and that you uh, agree that the uh, me- like the, the mechanic should dictate the subject and not the other way around. I, I think that that is one. I think that they're both <laughs> valid ways to create a game depending on what approach you want to take. Okay, great. I had forgotten this, so thank you, uh, Jovita Terra, for pointing this out. Uh, but these new rooms have a secret passage that connect directly to the mayor's rooms. So in a couple chapters, the mayor will appear dramatically. So that's which, another reason he's been moved here. Which is also 
follows my theory that it's just convenient for the mayor. Uh, yes, very true. And also more um, circumspect, um, shall we say. The, yes. can't be observed. And the mayor that. doesn't have to publicly deal with Quoth anymore. I can't help but wonder, this is probably too crackpot, but I, you know, it, is it not possible that the whole thing was a test? That the mayor sacrificed Codicus just to test Quoth's loyalty? That's too much. That's too much. He's been sick for a long time. Yeah, I, I think that's too, that is too deep as a strange and cracked pot to, to delve into. I do not believe Although, that. Although, for some reason, this makes me think that this is actually kind of playing on the trope of the, the princess who is like, who, like the sleeping beauty, uh, where there is someone who is sick with a long illness and the hero arrives and magically solves the illness. No, you don't think there's a, a little bit of that happening here? I, I mean, maybe a little. I I don't think that I think that this is true, but I think that one way you could square the circle of what if the mayor was testing Quoth is what if the mayor already had his suspicions about Codicus because he's been sick for so long and not really getting better, and when Quoth raises his own suspicions, the mayor is like, "All right, let's see if this kid can really do it. I have nothing to lose." Nah, I'm not buying it. Hmm. I am getting off my fence to say that I disagree that this is a thing. (laughs) Willing to be proven wrong later, but for now, I will get down off the fence to to state my opinion. Tough crowd. Who are his two silver rings from? Brayden and Stapes. But didn't Stapes give him a bone ring? He gave him both. And a silver ring. Oh, okay. Because when Brayden is holding the rings, he's holding both rings that Stapes gave him. And being like, hey, Quoth, look at this crazy stuff you've got. What a story. Okay, yeah. I think it, it, on the previous page, he says, I felt something in my hand, which indicates that it's singular. And then in the next chapter, the next paragraph, he says that there's actually two two somethings. Mm, that's but confusing. it is. I also had a little jolt when I was reading because I read something. and Yeah. Because uh, I guess I was thinking, what if that is the ring that Codicus told him to pick up? Right. When he was when he was under the influence of drugs. And Codicus is like, oh, you left your ring there. And Quoth is like, oh, I don't remember doing that. And he picks up the ring without looking at it to see if it's actually his ring or not. That would be cool, but that's definitely not what it is. Yeah, I think we've I think we've gone on too far of a tangent. I think we've identified a plot thread that isn't a plot thread. I think that I don't know what I, I don't know. I just think that the idea that Codicus planted something on him in that sequence is maybe too crackpotted even for us. But if we end up being right about it, then we get to say we were right all along. <laughs> ah, the joys of speculation. Really, really, it's Nick who is on the fence because Nick, Nick never comes out and says like, <laughs> "This is the absolute thing I 100% believe, and nothing will convince me otherwise, not even the truth." He goes, "I this thing could be true, and I just want to have it on the record that I said it in case it turns out to be right." Yes, if South Park has taught us nothing else, and it hasn't, it's that believing in any one thing too strongly makes you a fool and worthy of ridicule. I have sort of like, this is a weird nitpicky note, but he turns Braden's card over to write a reply rather than getting a new card and writing a reply on the new card. But we don't really get an idea of whether or not this is a regular practice or if this is like Quoth saving paper. He's definitely done this before, but I think it's just because Quoth is cheap and it's because it's faster. Yeah, I also, I think that a a noble might send a new piece of... uh... I think a noble might send a new card, but Quoth would never think of it, right? That's so wasteful for Quoth. Uh, I'm out of notes on this here page, Arino. I too have finished my notes. 
Let's get to tomorrow's page of the way.